All right. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to Rockbridge. It's good to have you out on this Memorial Day weekend. My name is JC, campus pastor at the Ringo campus, and we are glad that you're here with us from all five, soon to be six of our campuses here at Rockbridge Community Church. Let me welcome you, and uh, thanks for being here. Hey, we are kicking off next week a brand new series called Road Trip. It's going to be an incredible series as summertime. A lot of people take vacations. Uh, they go out and about and travel, and we're going to be looking at road trips that Jesus took in Scripture. And so we want you to be sure to be here at all of our campuses next week for a brand new series called Road Trip, kicking off next Sunday, all right? Tonight, we are going to look at a story that is one of my favorite stories in all of Scripture. It's a story of three young men who had incredible faith, and they found that faith in God. And when they found that faith, they knew they had something that they could hold on to. Before we jump into that, I was thinking this week, we, we, we just uh, hired a student pastor at the Ringel campus. And uh, bringing him in, I was looking back at the years of doing student ministry. And I was thinking of one night where we had these students over at our house. Kim and I were just married. And we had these two young men who... Um, um, spiritually speaking, they weren't there yet. They were, um, bless their heart, right? That's all we can say about them. They, they just weren't, the wheels were spinning, but the hamster's dead. I mean, they just weren't all there. And these two young men, they, they were over at the house, and we had a bunch of other students over. And I had a fire pit in my side yard that was about the size of this table. And uh, I go into the house to make drinks, bringing hot chocolate out for everybody. And I hear fire. And as sure enough, as I walk and turn the corner, the entire side yard of this rental house was engulfed in flames. I had students throwing Mountain Dew on it. They were trying to stomp it out. I grabbed the water hose and stopped about eight feet from the fire. So I'm arching the water, trying to get it to stop. And, and finally got it out as our yard is smoldering and smoking. It's all black. It stopped about two feet from our house. We send the students home and me and Kim are walking back into the house and the garage door is shutting and Kim goes, would you? Would you look at that right there? I said, well, what is it? And sure enough, in the corner, not four feet away from where the fire was 30 minutes before, set a fire extinguisher. And I went, that would have come in handy a little bit ago. And then my wife said a very profound statement. You know, I hoped we would never have to use that. I was kind of hoping that that would just be sitting there and we would never have a fire that we would need to use. I hoped we would never have to use it. And I got to thinking about that story in relation to our faith. Do we have faith? And what about our faith? Do we have fire insurance? Uh, do we have faith that says, hey, I prayed a prayer at one time. I said yes to Jesus. I've got this get out of hell free card so I can do whatever I want because I'm not going to hell but I hope I never have to use it. I hope it never comes to a point in my life where I have to put my faith to the test. Tonight we're going to talk about three boys who uh, had a lot of faith that was tested, and the testing of their faith produced some incredible results. These three young boys are 14, 15, 16 years old. They're not, spiritually speaking, like the two guys that put the pallet on the fire pit in my side yard and burn it up. These three young men had faith, incredible faith. And we see that their faith was put to the test and they withstood. Here's what I want you to think of as we go through tonight. A faith that is tested is a faith that can be trusted. 
A faith that is tested is a faith that can be trusted. When we look back at my high school years, I'm a kid of the 90s. Man, I look at the 90s, and no matter what we did during the week, on the weekend, we would always end up at one certain location. You could be sure to meet your friends at the Blockbuster. Everybody showed up at the Blockbuster. Everybody remembers Blockbuster. If you're 19 or old, younger, you probably are like, what is that? 19 or old, yep, what? If you're older than 19, you know what I'm talking about, right? We love Blockbuster. You'd go through, you'd peruse the aisles, you'd walk through the action, the drama, my favorite, the comedy section, skip the sci-fi, nobody likes that. Um, just kidding. Uh, you'd go through all these sections. You couldn't watch the previews. You had to read the back of the box to see what the movie was about. We, we got this millennial on staff, and he's like, hey, sorry, tell me about a drama. And I'm like, what is that, man? You don't know what a good movie's like until you read the back of a box for an hour in this store. And then you take it home, and you hope the guy before you was kind and rewinds, right? And if not, you pop it out and stick it in that little machine that rewound it in extra speed for you. I love Blockbuster. It was great. But what I love about movies, and we haven't really watched a lot of movies in our house. Uh, our kids are, the oldest one's nine, and all the rest are under that. And so we've watched movies like Frozen and Trolls and Wreck-It Ralph and Lego 1 and Lego 2 and Lego 3 and Lego 4. And the movie lines that I do remember, though, at moments of great pressure, uh, of great uh, just emotional moments, they say their greatest lines. I was thinking of some of those movie lines today. I was watching Braveheart the other night. As he's getting ready to be executed, what does he cry out? Freedom! I mean, it's just a moment of like, boom, intense pressure. How is he going to respond, right? We all know that Luke, I am your father. I had to get that in for the Star Wars people. That's a moment of great, I've been told that a moment of great pressure. There's always that everybody knows there's Jack floating in the water, roses floating on top of a piece of wood the size of a Ford Escort, and you're like, just scoot over, Rose, right? Jack's like, don't let go, Rose, don't let go. And she's like, come back, come back. You got Celine Dion, near, far away, right, in the background. It's a great moment. Like the greatest lines come in moments of victory or triumph or defeat, Right? We can look at life. Martin Luther King, at a moment of great divide in the country, he says an incredible line. I have a dream. Jesus hanging on the cross. It is finished. I mean, just a moment of great pressure. My question is, is when the heat is turned up in life, how are you going to respond? When the pressure is put on you, when the struggle is at hand, when the firestorm of life shows up, how do you respond? These three young men in our story tonight, they had the pressure put on them. They were stolen out of their country and brought to Babylon. Slaves. These three Hebrew boys were slaves in a foreign land. But they begin to rise in rank and rise in power immediately once they got there because favor is not found in where you are. Favor is found in who you are. And so we find these three young men rising in power. And then the king, Nebuchadnezzar, for those of you that don't know the story, builds a statue for himself, 90 feet tall. He calls everybody around. We're all going to gather. We're all going to bow down and worship this idol. When the music plays, everybody must bow. But not these three. They stood tall. 
There in the midst of all the government, all the officials, every who's who and knows no in the town are there bowing, except for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And what I love about this is that they said, when the music is played, we're not going to bow low. We're going to stand tall. Now, when I read scripture, my brain, it's like a coloring book in here. I just see it come to life and I got kids, so I have to bring the Bible to life for them. I see characters. When we read about Zacchaeus, I see Danny DeVito. When we see Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, I see characters. I think of Shadrach. Shadrach is the guy that's really so positive. You ever met somebody that's so positive it makes you negative? He's like, good morning, Lord. Here we go, right? That's Shadrach. He is positive. He's ready to go. We see Shadrach and then there's Meshach. Meshach is half saved. Meshach is saved, but he's still got a little bit of the old Meshach in him. He's like, oh, I wish you would throw me in that fire, Nebuchadnezzar, right? Then you got Abednego. Abednego's not sure. He's like, hey, guys, um, I'm not sure about this. A little scary here, right? So when I think of these guys, you got Shadrach, oh, you got Meshach, like, let's go. And you got to be to go, this is scary, right? And all three of them in this moment have great pressure that was put on them. But one of the most incredible lines, the most incredible statement of faith in all of scripture is delivered in this moment. Look at what these guys say. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar. We do not need to defend ourselves before you. You see, the king in this moment said, if anybody does not bow, you're going to be thrown into a furnace of fire. You're going to be bound up and you're going to be thrown in. You don't bow, you burn. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego made a determination in their heart that they weren't going to bow. So they cried out to the king, oh, king, Nebuchadnezzar, we're not going to defend ourselves If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, listen to this statement of faith. The God who we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. They're still polite. But even if he doesn't, get this, even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, yet again, that we will never serve your gods Or worship the golden statue that you have set up before us. A faith that is tested is a faith that can be trusted. Their faith is being tested. They know that God is faithful. They're trusting it. They're testing it. They're trusting it. What I love about this story is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego give three incredible lines when the pressure is put on. The fire is raging literally in front of them. And I love what they say. Hey, our God can save us. Our God can save us. We have faith in knowing that. And I believe some of you have walked in here tonight and maybe you've given up on the fact that God can save you. I want you to know that he can. He hears you when you call out to him. And Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego understood that. They said, our God can save us. He takes impossible situations and makes them possible. He makes a way when nothing else can ever happen. But they did not stop there. They make an incredible another another declaration. Our God will save us. It's one thing to know God can save you. It's a whole nother thing to declare that he will save you. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in this moment said, not only will he be able to save us, he will. 
He came to us. This is the gospel. We could not get where God was, so Jesus came to earth to rescue, to redeem, to save, to set us free. He built a bridge so we could get to God. Our God can save us. Our God will save us. Hebrews 11 says, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things that we cannot see. Our God can save us. Our God will save us. And then the dopest statement in the word, even if he doesn't, we ain't gonna bow. They became Georgia for a second. Even if he doesn't, we're not bowing down, King Nebuchadnezzar. It doesn't matter what you do to us because the real test of faith is when God doesn't do what you want him to do, how do you respond? When he doesn't act the way that you think he should act, what comes out of you? God, why didn't I get that job? Why is my marriage falling apart? Why has that health come back not so well? God, I don't think this is how life was supposed to happen. Do you mumble and grumble and complain? Or do you say he's perfect in all of his ways? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, hey, throw us in that fire. Even if he doesn't save us from your flame, we win anyway. Because God is faithful. We need a group of people who will rise up and have this type of faith that says, hey, no matter what happens, we're not going to bend or bow or, or succumb to the pressure. We're going to know that God is faithful and he is on our side. And even if he doesn't play by my rules, I'm still not bowing down. So how do we get there? How do we get this type of faith? There's three postures that you have to take. The first one is you got to sit. Everybody say sit. You got to sit. You got to sit. Before you can have this kind of faith, you've got to sit. Let me ask you this. Who are you sitting with? Who you sit with dictates who you're becoming. I've said it for a long time in student ministry. You show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Who you sit with matters. So last summer, my wife and kids went up to Paris, Texas, and we drove them up there, and then I flew home and went with the students down to DeLand, Florida. We went there for a week and came back, and then I took a shuttle up to Atlanta and jumped on a plane to fly to Dallas to pick up, get picked up at the airport to drive 12 hours home. It was a great trip. As I'm driving from Atlanta to, to uh, Chattanooga to Atlanta, I get my ticket. I'm sitting in 37B. Delta flight 37B, I get on the plane, I sit down, the flight attendant walks back and says, Mr. Groves, you've been upgraded to first class, would you like that? I was like, did Billy Graham have a quiet time? Yes, let's go. So i leaving 37B and I'm like, see you people, favor ain't fair, here we go, and I'm on my way up to the front. I go to 2B. I notice as I'm getting closer, there's a gentleman sitting in 2A, older gentleman. I was like, all right, this is going to be a good flight. He's a small guy. I'm a big guy. I don't like sitting next to big people. And I sit down and he looks over at me and he says, man, I was hoping somebody little would sit there. Like, Sorry, sir. I didn't really look at him. And, and then a guy gets on and he stops and he's like taking a picture. And I was like, what are, you, what are you taking a picture of? Let me show you who I was sitting next to. Ric Flair. <laughs> Woo! I was sitting next to Ric Flair. I was like, I looked over and went, oh my goodness, you're Ric Flair. You were my hero in high school. I had a group of friends that we wanted to be like you. We were going to get four horsemen tattoos on us. I'm so glad that we didn't do that. 
Amen, babe. And uh, as we sat here and talked, listening to his story, we get up when we land in Dallas and we're walking off the plane and he's old and so I'm helping him off and we're getting off there and people are asking for his autograph and then this kid goes, can I have yours? I was like, okay. JC Groves just signed it right there. He's like, dude, y'all are awesome, man. I love wrestling. I was like, me too. Signing autographs. 37B, I'm a fat dude with a beard. 2B, who I'm hanging with, dictated who I became in that moment. I became a WWF wrestler because I'm with the Ric Flair. Woo! You see, who you sit with determines who you are becoming. That's why we say around here all the time, life is not meant to be lived alone. It is best when in the context of community. We want you to get connected because you can't do life alone. You're missing out. Nowhere in Scripture... Do you see Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego by themselves? These three are always together. It had to be a very important moment to take a stand in front of everybody. When everybody else is bowing, you stand. You needed encouragement in that moment. They needed confidence in that moment. That's why we push small groups so hard. Hey, don't just come and sit on Thursday and on Sunday in our maroon chairs and listen to our singers and Matt teach a lesson and then leave and do nothing. We want you to get connected in community. Live life with a group of people that's going to be there when life gets tough. That's going to hold you up when you feel like throwing in the towel. They're going to be there for you. We want you to get connected. You can go to our Connect Center, connections area at all of our campuses and say, hey, find me a small group. I need a group of people that I can do life with because who you sit with matters. Who you sit with dictates who you are going to become like. Not only sit, but second posture is you got to stand. Everybody say stand. You got to stand. Everyone is bowing. These three boys are standing. You see Shadrach, (laughs) not me, Woo! glory, he's standing when everybody's bowing. Meshach, oh, I wish you would throw me in that fire. Meshach, Abednego, couldn't we curtsy, you know, couldn't we just like, couldn't we just take a knee, you know? Hey, don't give up, keep standing. They're encouraging each other. What I love about these three boys, though, is this is a picture of going public with your faith. It's not letting your light be hidden. But before these boys ever went public with their faith, it started in private. You have to have a private faith before it becomes a public faith. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't have to pray about it, think about it, fast about it. They didn't have to make a dramatic social media account asking for everybody to give their opinion on this decision. They made a predetermined plan. They were going to serve God. And it didn't matter if intimate death was in front of them with the furnace. They said, we are going to be obedient to God. That's it. And this wasn't the first time. Because of Jewish law, they couldn't eat the king's diet. So they asked, hey, could we do what our law requires? Eat fruits and vegetables. After 10 days, their countenance and their demeanor and their mental capacity was that greater of even the astrologers of the day. These three boys had a private faith that in this moment produced a very public profession. It wasn't the first time that they stood for something. You want to stand publicly, you've got to start privately. And when you take that stand, 
Remember, people are going to follow you. And then thirdly, you have to walk. Everybody say walk. You got to sit. You got to stand. But then you got to walk. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were bound up. The fire was turned up seven times hotter, but they were able to walk into that furnace because they knew who they were. They were not living for the acceptance of God. They were living from it. They knew that they were children of the Almighty God, and he can save them. He will save them, and even if he doesn't, they still have the victory because God is in control. Hey, friends, the very thing that you want God to remove from you might be the very thing that he uses to set you free. Don't minimize what the presence of God and the circumstances of your hurt will accomplish. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego could have bowed. They could have said, man, we are the only people that's really bringing real truth to these folks around us. We've got to bow. We've got to bow, and then we'll feel bad about it in the morning and wish we would have taken a stand. Or they could have taken a stand. The fire is what set them free. It loosed the chains that were binding them. It loosed the things that were supposed to kill them. But what I love about the story that you know is God showed up with them in the fire. They didn't just show up and say, here's where we're going, we're gonna die. The Bible says not a hair on their head was singed. They didn't even smell of fire. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego walked into the furnace because that's where God wanted to set them free. And he is an on-time God that we can trust. Many times we question circumstances for things that we can't understand, but it's through the fire that our weakness is made stronger. What I love about the fire is that he shows up in the midst of that storm. You have to understand something about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That wasn't their real names. No, that was their Babylonian names that were given to them as slaves to praise the Babylonian gods. Their real names meant something altogether differently. Shadrach, his real name was Hananiel. Hananiel was Shadrach's real name, and I love what it means. It means Yahweh is gracious. Shadrach remembers the graciousness of God. Hey, throw me in the fire, but that's okay because my God is gracious. He's going to provide a way out. Through this fire, God is going to have the victory. Meshach, I love Meshach's real name. Meshach is Michelle, who means who is like Yahweh. Who is like Yahweh? In this moment, he's like, I wish you would throw me in that fire because let's see what God is going to do, how God is going to get the victory. And then you have Abednego, timid Abednego. His name is Azariah, which means Yahweh has helped. It's past tense. Remember the faithfulness of God. You can trust him today because he was faithful yesterday and the day before that and the day before that. Hey, when you feel like throwing in the towel, can you not see Michelle and, and Hannah Neal? Hey, Ezra, don't give up. Remember your name. Yahweh has helped. 
He has shown up in the past. He is faithful to come through yet again. Hey, we have a name. We have to remember whose we are. Our world wants to put a lot of labels on us. They want to tell us that we are not nothing. We have to remember that our faith is not dictated by the world and what they put on us, that we have a name. And that is that we are sons and daughters of the most high God. You have to remember your name, who he has called you to be. My daughter and I, Kenzie, we were in Chick-fil-A a few weeks ago, and uh, she's six, seven, five, five. She's five. And we're sitting there eating, and uh, this elderly couple walks up, and they said, you are the prettiest little girl. She said, I know. And she was like, oh, okay. It kind of took him back a little bit. I was like, that's not polite, Kenzie. They said, well, what, do you like to sing? And she said, yes. And she went in to sing Frozen for them. And I'm like, you're really going to sing the whole, whole song, aren't you? And she got done singing, and the gentleman said, man, you're the best singer in the whole wide world. She said, do you like to dance? She's like, yeah, but she, she doesn't really dance that well, but we tell her she does, bless her heart. And um, he said, well, you're the best dancer ever. She's like, I know. And the lady said, well, how, how do you know this, Kenzie? How do you know that you're the prettiest and the best? She said, my daddy tells me all the time. Don't you, dad? Like, That's right. No, you can't dance, but I'll tell you, you can. She knows who she is. She has a name. God is for you and not against you. And he says, hey, I'm not promising you a problem-free life, but know that when you go through that stuff, I am there with you. And you can hold on to the truth of that. Hey, tonight, we don't praise God for a reward. We praise him from a reward because we have a name. And what I love about this is that God reveals his power in many places, but you'll know his presence best when you're walking through the fire. That's where he shows up. That's where he says, hey, it may get tough. Jesus never said following him would be easy, but he did say that it would be worth it. When you walk through the fire, he's gonna be right there with you. I love this passage of scripture that says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep you over. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze, for I am the Lord your God. Hey, friends, when life heats up, that's when Jesus shows up. What are you walking through that you say, hey, I don't know if I can handle this. I don't know if I could face another day of this fire. Just know that he's there with you. And the fire purifies. The fire is what's there to make you stronger. When the heat is turned up on your life, how do you respond? Is your faith founded in confidence, knowing who he is, that he can and will save you? And even if nothing changes from how it is right now, you're still gonna worship. You're still gonna praise. You're still gonna shout and sing to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Maybe you've never said yes to him. Maybe your faith is not in him because you've never given Jesus the steering wheel of your life. You've never given him your life and said, God, here I am. Take me, use me, mold me. I wanna be yours. Man, you can follow him tonight by saying yes to King Jesus. Maybe your step tonight is to get connected into a small group. It's going to one of our connections area and say, man, I need life lived with a community of other people because life is tough and I need to do life with others. 
Maybe tonight your step is getting connected with a small group. I pray that God will continue to speak to you and show you that you can have faith when life heats up, that what comes out of you is praise, honor, and glory to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Let's pray. Father, I love you. God, I thank you for this story in Scripture that we can build our life on a sure, solid foundation that no matter what may come, we know that we have you who will never leave us or forsake us. You'll never forget about us. You will never overlook us. And God, I thank you for the faith of Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego that we can build our life on a foundation that is solid just like they did, knowing that they have confidence in you. Father, I pray for my friends who are in this room, God, that, is go that are going through the fire. And they wonder if you've forgotten about them, if you've left them to just go through it alone. Remind them tonight that you're there. Help them not to throw in the towel to quit, but to keep pressing on, knowing that you are with them. Jesus, we love you, we worship, we praise you, and we know that you can and you will rescue. And even if, God, give us an even if type of faith. We love you, Jesus. We worship you now. In the strong name of King Jesus, we pray. Amen.